The In Stuff podcast is brought to you by Scratch Band, the brand new way to help you stop touching your face. Why is everyone telling you to wash your hands these days? Because they're covered with germs. Every time you touch your face, you're helping to put those germs into your body and make yourself sick. Until now, Scratch Band's patent-pending design allows you to scratch your face with your wrist instead of your fingers, shielding you from those gross hands. Made of medical-grade silicon, you can sanitize it in the dishwasher, washing machine, or even a microwave. So stop touching your face and making yourself sick and join the evolution. Scratch Band. More information at scratchband.life. Kristen, yeah. how about we just start off, wait, well that was our problem last time, just because I say an introduction doesn't mean it's the start of the show, There's, it's still capable of being quite boring, <laughs> even if I do say, Kristen, welcome back to another episode of the Insta Podcast, but you gave me some exciting news last week that we have a number of oh. apparently international subscribers to the podcast. Well, listeners, hopefully they subscribe, it's kind of hard to tell oh. who's a subscriber. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, we have people, it turns out, who have listened from Denmark and Spain and, of course, Canada and Australia and... We don't take you for granted, though, Canada. Oh, no. You're just close by. Yeah, they're our neighbors. (laughs) Our wonderful neighbors to the east. Uh Uh-huh. And who, where else? I mentioned Georgia, the Ukraine. Italy. France. Oh. Yeah. Maybe it was Spain. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I find this creates a struggle with me because one of the things I've said multiple times in this podcast is that I don't really care if it's successful or not. Like, I'm not obsessing with that. Like, I kind of have with the other podcasts, the Dark Winter Nights podcast that I do. But now I'm starting to care because I feel like I owe it to international listeners, you know? It's sort of like if dinner is just with your family, like, you don't worry that much about making that great a thing. But if, like... other guests especially guests from foreign countries are coming over for dinner you feel like you need to represent a little bit better and you know maybe don't just scrape the burned side off the grilled cheese but wait, wait. Make so something you pull nicer. from your midwest repertoire so <laughs> <laughs> it's happening and so i'm struggling with trying to still not care if this podcast is successful because i feel like i owe it to these Wonderful people around the world, apparently, who are listening, which is a big surprise to me. (laughs) Not to you, probably. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to try to continue to not care. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But if I start to care, that will ruin the formula. Because clearly they started listening because I don't care. What happens if I start caring? It will get terrible. I feel like this is an assumption that may not be serving you well no oh. <laughs> it would be the only one i've ever had that hasn't served me well <laughs> anyway what's new with you not really nothing um and nothing related to this podcast 
podcast. Well, it doesn't matter. That's why we call it in stuff. Everything's related to this podcast. Yeah, it's been a lot of art in the summer. There's oh. a lot of cast iron going on mm-hmm. because the weather's great. And so that's been occupying a lot of my time. And the rest of the rest of what's been happening is not appropriate for the podcast. Wow. Intrigue. <laughs> Well, I'm excited. Today, the new spark plugs came for the DeLorean. I know a lot of people have been sending me letters, calling about concern about the fact that DeLorean is not running again for the basically the third time this summer. But they just I just got them in the mail today. I think the spark plugs are the problem. I have to get a new battery for it, which I can get in town. And so I'm optimistic that maybe this week the DeLorean could be running again. I don't know. Fingers crossed. It's a little scary for me to say that. Was it almost a month ago we went for that test drive? It was your birthday. It was it was my birthday. That's right. So it seemed like it was running quite well. Everything was fine. I it can't believe it started fine. It so cold started many fine. Now have gone awry. Well, the heat valve had already busted by then, so I'd already fixed one thing. Okay. And I had already hired the mechanic to fish the bolt that I dropped into the fuel intake. So two things had been resolved. That was not really broken. That was just like a big problem that had to be fixed. It seemed like it was breaking your head though. But yeah, everything was fine, you know? And then my friend insists I come over to fix the air conditioning on it. And that's when everything went horrible and I had to have it towed for $160 to my house. But in theory, my insurance will pay me back for that. But I got to get on that. Anyway... So we'll see uh, if I get it started again. You'll notice a real brightening of my mood. I'm at about 80% of my capacity for joy right now. <laughs> so if that thing gets going again, I'll be back up to 100. So are we, is this a trend with this podcast now? We start with a DeLorean, a DeLorean drama ma- yes. section. Because this is also mostly therapy for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's exciting. But I did have kind of a technological setback. I've had many setbacks this summer. First world setbacks, I'll admit, but a lot of things breaking. And last week, I don't know what all happened. Something went bad with Alexa that screwed up a bunch of stuff. But my Alexa Echo frames weren't working properly. And my remote control, my Roku remote smart remote control, whatever, that I bought extra wasn't working all and i'm trying to troubleshoot them both at the same time and i'm thinking to myself why am i doing this to myself you know i normally i like love technology but i'm just getting overwhelmed by having to do all the troubleshooting and i've come to the conclusion that i really do not feel like inviting more technology into my life i feel like you're i'm converting you to the dark side you are (laughs) i'm now at where you were and maybe still are where a new gadget comes you know, arrives and you're just like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. And that's how I, that's how I become now too. It's just like everything breaks. So I'm sitting on my couch trying to get my glasses to work again and trying to get my remote to work again. Cause it will turn the TV on and off, but it won't change the volume because uh-huh. of an update that Roku did that screwed stuff up and they still, they don't know what. Isn't there a Roku app that <sighs> Yeah. Functions as a remote. Yeah, for your phone? you can do that too. But okay. I paid extra for this dumb remote. I want the thing. That's my problem. Is I want the things to work. If I didn't care if stuff worked or not, I'd be fine. Hmm. Yeah, you have to kind of give up on life a little bit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just not expect so much. But I was thinking about my grandparents. You know, they passed away in like 1989, and neither of them had glasses that required tech support. <laughs> 
and their TV had a remote control, but it was connected with a wire. Oh, I remember. And it was just buttons, and that thing always worked. And I thought that was pretty fancy. We didn't even have that when I was a kid. We got a remote control. It was amazing. Up until then, it was like I got to get up off the couch or the bed and go change the channel if I wanted to watch something else. (laughs) And I just feel like, how did I make my life so complicated that I'm now dealing with problems that my grandparents basically never could have fathomed? Yeah. I like things that promise to absolutely revolutionize my life, but that... Yeah, those things seem complicating. So I'm feeling right now that what I'm not... Now, I'll add technology if other people, like eCampus wants to buy me technology. That's one thing. It's not my money if it breaks, whatever. Um, But I don't think I'm going to... I'm not sure I want to voluntarily add any more technology. And I'm not sure I'm going to replace technology that breaks. Like right now, my vacuum is broken. My LiDAR vacuum... <laughs> broke and the company said they were going to send me a new one nice but i don't think they i don't think they really did because the first thing they wanted me to do was buy myself a new one and then they were going to like pay me back or something and i was like ah, i'm not doing that yeah that sounds lame and their command of english has been a little bit on the on the sketchy side so it sounds like my verizon my five recall <sighs> that hasn't come for two months what i got mine <laughs> I didn't get mine. Well, you got yours. I, this is my personal one. Oh, right. Right. Because the battery is expanding. Blowing up. Blowing up. Yeah. Right. Anyhow, so we'll see if this is a phase. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit scorched by technology. <laughs> so today, today on Down on Technology. I think I'm not going to buy any more robot vacuums. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be buying any more Amazon gadgets. I don't know. We'll have to see. But it's it's getting... But of course, everything's overwhelming when your DeLorean isn't working. If the DeLorean was working, I could handle a lot more. But but when the DeLorean's working, it, again, it diminishes my resilience to other tech problems. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, uh, today we're talking about something fun, though. Another device that has... <laughs> driven me up the wall (laughs) speaking of technology that has driven me nuts we're talking about underwater drones today yeah which i am excited about but mine has been mine has made me furious on multiple occasions but uh before we get into why let's talk about history uh, of underwater drones okay why are you confused about that we do that for every topic (laughs) Are you giving me a hard time? Because I feel like a you're giving bit. me a hard time. Because I'm hoping you researched the history because I didn't really bother to. <laughs> I, got so, I got so distracted by the new things happening uh, with okay. underwater drones because there's a lot of cool um, alternative locomotion innovations mm-hmm. that they've come up with. I totally overlooked the history. Oh. Sorry. No, it's okay. And I just didn't really, I wasn't that interested in the history. And if I'm not that interested in the history, then why are we going to talk about it that much? But briefly then, you know, there's been ROVs for um, scientific research and going down and finding the Titanic and all that stuff. Going down deeper than is necessarily great for a human to go down to. Yeah. So ocean exploration and all that kind of stuff, those have existed for quite a while. And I remember when I was a kid, and I still to this day, 
if anyone has ever in the listening audience has ever owned one of these, I want to hear about it. Every Christmas in the Sears catalog, I would ask for the underwater remote control submarine. Really? I never got it because it was kind of expensive. That was before you had a camera or anything. So as yeah, it was just watching it drive around. But I still want to do that. But if it's underwater, how do you watch it? Well, yeah, I guess you have to watch it in clear water. It'd be like in a pool or a clear lake or something like that. But yeah, Yeah. you can't go very far. But still, think it would be cool. Yeah, because the underwater drones are not real submarine looking. Like they're more like. I don't know. They look like a lot of different things. They look like George Foreman grills, basically, <laughs> underwater. The long ones. I've seen some. I've seen some interesting things underwater. It's such an unv- uh, a foreign environment, and people have been fascinated by it. For, mm-hmm. I don't want to say millennia for many years. Oh, I would say millennia is pretty safe to say. Sure. You think? Yeah. I mean. I know there's there have been free divers. I said okay, maybe I'm not really. But look up. at all the like myths and stuff about mermaids and the kraken. Kraken, right? Oh, <laughs> the Loch Ness monster. I got I got a quick. My my family's had a house on a lake since like the 1930s in Michigan. It's nothing fancy. It's a pretty um, humble place, but it's ours. It's our Shangri La, and one. When I when I was on sabbatical, we went there for a year, and one day we're looking looking out at the water. There's always weird stuff happening on the lake, always, and this does relate to the kraken. And we see what looks like this like tentacle coming out of the water. What? We're like, it was right after a big storm. We're like, oh my gosh, what is this thing? So of course, me and my daughter are super excited. We run out there and have a look <laughs> at this thing, and it's this like giant, like probably four or five inch diameter hose sticking out of the water and it's like kind of murky and weird it was like we called it the we called it a kraken because it looked <laughs> like a tentacle from the kraken and then we start hauling this thing out and figure out that it was like a pump somebody was using to pump water out of the lake for like lawn stuff or whatever because it had a filter box on the end yeah but it was pretty amazing you're probably like think that what we is had going found on like with a our dead hose? kraken in the lake there's so <laughs> many weird things there but anyway not Nothing that we have we have time for. We should have a podcast episode that's just us talking that people can skip if they want to. Uh, I've, is that not this podcast? <laughs> oh, well, we, te- we tend to semi-focus on a topic. And I really want to tell you about the latest lake story that involved a puppy falling off a boat and a bare-breasted woman. But I can't because it's not that related. Oh, maybe I, maybe I, I know. It's got everything for a story. <laughs> I wasn't there, but my mom told it to me. So anyway. What? So... That's your brief history of underwater drones, because neither of us really care (laughs) care that much about the history of underwater drones. So, uh, you you haven't. We should go for this. We should have, if if we had been on the ball, we should have gone out and messed with my my underwater drone. Yeah, it was a busy week for both of us. Yeah. So at some point in the summertime, before things freeze up again, that would be fun. Would it? Yeah. Not many people think sitting next to a lake with me, but driving the, a drone so around the water looking for golf Alaska balls is, is that exciting. Weird. Uh huh. It's really weird. It is pretty weird. So I'm curious. I've There's... seen some interesting things. Like. Uh well. Okay, now that I say it, what have I seen that's really interesting? Well, a bunch of grayling. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Found a tire on the bottom of Tanana Lakes. <laughs> Tanana Lakes is strange because the water there is is clear. Yeah, 
I have yeah. been on Tanana Lake's water on a paddleboard, and it, it's kicked in my fear of heights. Really? Yeah, because wow. you can see so far down, and it's not far. It's, what, 30, 35 feet? Uh-huh. But when the water is so clear and you can see right to the bottom and you're standing up, yeah, it's kind of freaky. Weird. Anyway, Tanana Lakes, for those not familiar, is a sort of collection of lakes south of town that used to be a place where people would dump cars and stuff, but then they realized that this could become a asset, a recreational asset. So what, maybe eight years ago, they got it all cleaned out and yeah. they got a few tires left, which is why they won't let you swim in that particular part. It's totally safe. I've looked, but... Golf balls, <laughs> weird dead fish. I had a leech swim in front of the camera one time. It's so freaky. That was creepy. Also, I explored uh, the opening to a beaver den, even though there were no apparently beaver around, but that was kind of fun. That would be exciting. But uh, I have Chasing Dory, which is just a dumb name for a underwater drone. But it's the pretty much the cheapest and was the highest rated of consumer drones out there. It's about 500 bucks. I could not find a better deal for it than that. And I looked around and then there are ones that uh, the other ones tend to jump to like a thousand up to maybe three, three and a half thousand for some super fancy ones that can go like hundreds of feet down and have long, they all have cables because unfortunately you can't really get a radio signal to pass through the water very well. So yours is tethered. Yeah, they're all tethered, which is a kind of issue on its own. But um, but they're not anymore. Well, the consumer ones <laughs> the are The consumer all, ones are, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yes. The ones used for so scientific research and whatnot are not. And military and development. Military. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's, let's, I guess I'll talk briefly about my experience with having a drone and then we'll talk about the other ways that they're being used right now. Let's do it. So, what's my experience with the drone? My experience with the drone <laughs> is that it's when it works right, it's super awesome. It has a number of cool features, such as you can set it to go through the water at a certain angle. Because if it was always going horizontal, that'd be kind of tough to see the bottom, which is one of the things you might want to see, or maybe if you wanted to point up. But generally, you kind of want to go through the water, you know, maybe a 20 to 30 degree angle looking down because the bottom is one of the more interesting things. That's where the treasure is. Yeah, which I keep hoping that I'll find an iPhone or something that somebody dropped while they were in Tanana Lakes. (laughs) (laughs) It won't be any good, but it'll be a fun little thing to find. Sunglasses, (laughs) I thought maybe I could start a a lost sunglasses business. I haven't found anything yet of much value except the golf balls. But <clears throat> so it's got that cool feature. It's, it, it has two speeds, so it can go like fast if you're maybe trying to fight a current or just move somewhere quickly. But then it can also move pretty slowly, which is nice. So when it's, when it's working, it's got about a 50-foot cable, and then the cable comes out the back of it to a basically like a buoy that's maybe about five, six inches in diameter that floats. And then I tie a rope to that so because the buoy doesn't have to be right by you. You The buoy is what's transmitting the information to and from and the control to and from the drone. So that can be about 50 feet away. So that if you tie a rope to that, then you can get some extra distance and stuff. It's pretty limited range. So, um, 
I mean, I could see it being fun if you went out in a boat and then could drop it straight down. But if you're going from shore, like, it's kind of hard to get out too deep. Um, there's not too many places where it drops off 50 feet, only about 50 feet from shore, you know. The main problems I've had with it is stuff gets stuck in the blades all the time. Mm. So that was one problem. It gets jammed in there and there's no super convenient way to get it out. So you can like stick a tiny screwdriver or maybe an Allen wrench or something in there and try and fish the stuff out. I see you slow blinking on me. And this is you the... are so comfortable. I am and warm, so... and there's a slight rain outside. <laughs> the dulcet tones and of your voice. My tone is staying in that nice range. <laughs> if I make the sounds of a seashore, will you? <laughs> We've will turned you into an ASMR asleep? podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Feel your mind relax <laughs> as all your day's worries evaporate. Release the tension in your shoulders. When I sat down, you're like, hey, you have a gravity blanket. And I was like, man, <laughs> you set me up for failure. <laughs> Every blanket's a gravity blanket. That's a weighted blanket. <laughs> what if I had an anti-gravity blanket the worst invention ever a blanket that always floats away that would be the, essentially you'd have a magic I guess carpet. if you sat on it that would be awesome anyway alright well let me uh, let me pick up the pace then a little bit for the record I offered you coffee today and you declined oh my gosh I've not been sleeping well <laughs> it's not my well, fault well you're gonna start now <laughs> it's very sad <laughs> Um, so, oh, so stuff gets stuck in the blades. And so you're trying to drive this thing around. This is what's driven me totally bonkers with it on more than one occasion, because there'll be somebody with me and I'm like, come watch like Owen, your boss and my good friend. He's not my boss. <laughs> well, some ways he might be. <laughs> I invited him out to Tana Lakes and, you know, spent 15 minutes bat doing battle with this thing, feeling like a moron while Owen just stood there. Wondering, like, like, why did we, I drive all the way out here to watch Rob we never do nothing? The come watch me play with my toy yeah. scenario from when we were kids. Yeah. And then the toy doesn't work. It's oh. the most embarrassing. But I got, eventually got to work. And Good. Owen is an extremely patient, easygoing guy. So he was cool about it. <laughs> he seemed to pretend he had a good time, even though it was a, about half wasted. I'm sure he did. He was just happy to be outside. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, so you spend a lot of time fishing rocks out of these things. So if you're looking into an underwater drone, one that has like good, clear, open propellers would probably be nice. Some of them are are almost like quadcopters where they have the like individually moving propellers. And, and, and the chasing dory, while it is uh, very price effective compared to these other ones, if you've got the money, certainly you can go for one where it's less likely to get seaweed and junk stuck in it. So I've seen drones that are trying to, um, that are taking advantage of some biomimicry mm -hmm. for locomotion mm -hmm. where they're not, they're not using propellers to move through the water. They're using things that make them look more like cuttlefish, manta rays, mm -hmm. um, jellyfish. There's one that has like a, that moves like a jellyfish mm, that's kind right. of like jetting water out mm -hmm. as it's moving around. And I wonder if those, I mean, they're not on the consumer market. They're definitely research versions, but mm -hmm. I wonder if they are indeed more effective at 
continuous operation. They're a lot more energy efficient. The ones that I saw that the that scientists are using basically look like a torpedo, but are using some sort of pressure to propel themselves hmm. rather than a propeller, <clears throat> which is more efficient because the propeller has to keep moving or otherwise it just becomes like a water anchor. And these, they actually I've heard them referred to more as gliders because they basically get going and then just coast for a while to be more efficient with their batteries. That's the thing. The battery life in an underwater drone, I was impressed immediately. It's mm. so much more significant than an, a flying drone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because doesn't need to. It, it can basically hover without having to use any energy. So, yeah, that is nice. And for the Finding Dory, I mean, you've got the, well, the battery is in the device itself. Um, but that's okay because you want the thing to kind of sink anyhow. But yeah, it's not so weight obsessed like a drone is. So that's one of the problems is that the other problem is like just recently I tried to use it and it was just all wonky and didn't want to go the right way. And I think the problem was it hadn't been calibrated properly. So, and that's the user interface for that was kind of a mess. So you didn't set it up correctly. So technically I should have, I guess I, it was one of those problems where you know, up here you don't use something for nine months because of winter and then you take it out of the box again and you're just like, oh, wait, how am I supposed to run this thing? That's the thing. Once I figured out how to get it to calibrate, um, then it seemed to be operating pretty cool. It just, it makes you nervous because a lot of times with these, you're going in lakes, at least for me, I'm not, well, I think for most people who don't live like by beautiful coral reefs or anything like that. Um, and so you're going to get seaweed stuck in there. You're going to get rocks when you and inevitably like nosedive into the ground and the muck. <laughs> and that stuff all creates problems. I did find that I think it was 50 bucks. You can get a separate remote controller, which is really nice because otherwise you're driving it with your phone, which means your thumbs are covering up about 60% of the screen, oh, which weird. makes it a little harder to see what you're filming. So I do recommend getting the, the remote control. That's cool. And also then it has some physical controls that make it easier to operate, like the angle and turning on and off the camera. So anyway, the current state of consumer underwater drones is that they're pretty expensive. I got this because I wanted to figure out if I liked it before I spent three grand on one. Right. And I, I do like it, but I'm still not sure. I want to spend $3,000 or $2,000 on an underwater drone. They, I, yeah, they seem pricey. Mm -hmm. But I, I could say for entry level, I would go with the with the Finding Dory. And they might have a more updated version too. I, I've you know had mine for like a year now. So this stuff is going to be um, improving rapidly. But uh, just know it's going to have some maintenance issues. And it may not be all fun and games. <laughs> the Oh, the other issues with it are, you know, there's been a number. There's plenty of cool places to go around here in, in Alaska. And so I took it to Valdez. And I was like, I'm going to go drop in the harbor and see if I can find stuff that people have dropped while working on their boats. How did that go? Badly. A, visibility is really bad out there. Huh. B, the water is extremely cold, which just decimates battery life. And C, even though it didn't look like it there was a current under under the harbor 
And this little drone is going to have a hard time dealing with any sort of serious current. Okay. So, yeah, that was pretty pretty much a waste of time. I think I might have gotten to the bottom and saw some dead fish or something and then pulled the plug on that because I didn't want to accidentally have this thing go floating away and wrap itself around someone's propeller. So what inspired you initially to try an underwater drone? I, I am fascinated with underwater. I've been my whole life and learned, you know, got my scuba certificate and stuff, to which I haven't done a lot of, but just because I find it, it's like a whole cool, mysterious world. The other thing was that this is like a, this this is an unseen world right around the corner that nobody knows what's on the bottom of that mucky little Belaine pond that's about <laughs> 10 minutes away. Who knows what could be down there? And so it was like a treasure hunt slash mystery for me. I was like kind of expecting, you know, like if you wanted to hide something, throw it in a pond, right? <laughs> so I, to me, it's like this, it allows me this opportunity to explore an area that nobody gets to see, even though everyone is around it all the time. Yeah. For the record, if I wanted to hide something, I would put it under underground and then put it an endangered species on top of it. So it would be <laughs> legally protected. <laughs> That's a great idea. Hide something in a in the bottom of an eagle's nest because you're not allowed to go messing with those. Right. Good point. Yeah. If you could just and that's what it's like up here in Alaska. You can throw a rock and hit an endangered species if you want to. Most of them are just sitting around waiting to be picked up and placed wherever you desire. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> At least the the grouse are. They're not endangered, but they'll just sit there. It's, yeah. It's like, you don't see me if I don't move. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, I have enjoyed it. I'm super pumped to take it back to Michigan in a couple of weeks and go explore this lake that my family um, has lived, lived, you know, had a place on forever right on. Um, and see what, what weird stuff lurks. My uncle got his scuba license and went and dove down on the lake and he said it was just a bunch of old Christmas trees that people had dumped down there, but still. Do they have a wintertime Christmas tree farm on that lake? No. No. Oh. But people, I think, you know, rather than like pay to have someone take their Christmas tree or, or do whatever, I think they just pitch it out on the lake oh. and eventually it melts and falls through. I went to Nome, Alaska one spring mm -hmm. before breakup. And one of the sites was the Christmas tree farm after Christmas. Everybody oh, really? just walked oh, their trees. Oh, this is a real thing. It is. They walked their trees out onto the ice and just stuck them in the ice. Wow. And kind of as decoration, I think as like something you just do out there and then dur once everything breaks up they just mm -hmm. all fall into the um the sea hmm. seems like a tad bit of a snow machining hazard i think you, but you could see them yeah, you were gonna run into them in the night you're blazing around at snow 60 miles per hour. i'm just yeah, saying so do cars it doesn't mean i go put christmas trees on the road <laughs> Quit ruining everybody's fun, Rob. <laughs> Anyhow, so yes, that's my experience with that. So other things, yeah, as we've alluded to, science is using gliders as they, I think, I think that's a dumb name because it's very confusing, but they're using underwater drones for research on, and these things, they had one that went from the East Coast to, 
what was it, Spain or something like that? Really? Yeah, that went all the way across the Atlantic. It took 200 some days. And, but a lot of theirs look like torpedoes and they're doing like salinity measurements and temperature measurements and oxygen measurements. So they're tracking all that. They're going places that humans can't go. Like they've been doing measurements under a hurricane oh, wow. to get a sense of what's going on in the ocean when there's a hurricane occurring over it. And I could see like nature photography could be pretty cool for this. They've already got some fun videos, I think, of sharks eating drones and then spitting them out (laughs) so that's cool like the guy was it this past week who was out on the water and got inhaled by a whale yeah that was pretty insane (laughs) (laughs) i still i haven't seen have you seen is there any video evidence of this i haven't seen anything i just saw an interview with him like sitting on a curb outside the hospital and i was like yeah who's ready for that who who are the witnesses here but (laughs) yeah i guess he was on jimmy kimmel but um (laughs) yeah that's pretty intense but so i think the nature photography element could be pretty wild i think well this is getting a little bit to to the future but um any science or or uh whatever elements you want to add to the underwater drone discussion what's going on with drones i've alluded to it a couple times already but the the alternative locomotion research i think is most interesting for me uh, because, yeah, you could have propellers driving around or tooting around. <laughs> tooting around. You are drowsy, aren't you? Yeah, you're underwater drone. But what some like actually some of them do look like cuttlefish. They have these levers that run all around the sides, which would, I guess, be like the dorsal. And what's the opposite of that? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, and these levers are all attached to a continuous wing, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they, they're they flapping, but they create this undulating pattern. And the drone essentially is flying through the water that way, like a cuttlefish does, mm-hmm. uh, which is super cool. Um, DARPA has a manta project that they've yeah. been developing. And that actually is beautiful. That prototype, the prototype that I watched a video about just looks so efficient, efficient mm-hmm. for moving around underwater and getting a good vantage point and seeming like a natural sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is just amazing. If you didn't do a double take, you just assume it was a regular manta ray. Mm-hmm. So that, that was interesting to see. I don't want to venture too far into the future. I did see, this isn't actually a drone, but I could see it could be developed into something like that. There was an animatronic dolphin Hmm. that had been under development for, I think uh, Hollywood was developing it. So it was this animatronic actor, Hmm. but it, and I have the video to it. So I'll post it on the show notes, but it looks and moves like a dolphin and it kind of has expressive features worked into those movements, which I think is a really great approach to having something that seems autonomous that's underwater. Then, then, you know, it doesn't necessitate that you have this captive dolphin as an, a willing participant in the movie that you want to direct, mm. <laughs> which is kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, save money on filmmaking since you don't have to get the dolphin to do 
exactly what you want it to. Yeah. Or wait for it to do that. The other thing <clears throat> that I saw that was really interesting technologically was a drone that was designed with a tail that almost looked like a beaver's tail. Hmm. It kind of, it was like this white bulbous shape. The body was white and mm -hmm. bulbous. But the tail was a separate piece that kind of moved like a beaver tail does. Kind of like a fish's tail, kind of like a beaver tail. So the whole device had a wiggle to it as it would move through the water. But it was a device that also had a camera. Hmm. What I thought was interesting was the image stabilization that they had developed for this thing actually got rid of the wiggle. Hmm. So you could film and it looked like a stable camera, but when you watch it go through the water, it it's very cartoonish. Hmm. Yeah. They have the de-wiggler 2000 put on that, huh? <laughs> somebody put, somebody had to work on that software. Yeah. What'd you work on today, honey? De-wiggling footage? <laughs> You could eliminate an entire children's TV show that way. <laughs> You're not allowed on this marketing team. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and I think the thing that's different between that that really cool manta ray underwater drone and some of those other things compared to like what what I want to do is the ability to stop, back up, easily go up and down. A lot of these especially the science and military ones seem to be like, we're going one direction for a really long time or making some minor turns. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like regular air based drones too, or UAVs where you have different purposes. Some are, are meant to be light and nimble and some are meant to carry packages and what kind of things, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah, the, the manta ray is a really awesome looking thing though. Just, I mean, Absolutely. it looks like a robot manta ray, but super cool. And, you know, the military defense part of this struck me because, you know, Russia's been testing this Poseidon nuclear torpedo that I think we've talked about. I don't know if we've talked about on the nuclear. What did I, did I put the extra U in there? I always get very self-conscious about that. Good. Nuclear. <laughs> I'm judging you right now. You should nip that in the bud nuclear torpedo that's designed to torpedo ashore and then create a radioactive tsunami afterward it's a real awesome idea huh. wow <laughs> and so you imagine these and these are like meant to go off on their own like not necessarily i don't think i don't know at least they don't need to be fired from a submarine that's anywhere close if it seems at all. like a Dr. Evil sort It of is thing. straight up freaking Dr. Evil. <sighs> and so I could see a world where we need more underwater drones to be as just as defense. Because this is, a, I mean, the horrors that this thing could wreak upon a seaside city would be unspeakable. Oh, that's Just cool. unspeakable. So, yeah. Anyway, that's Poseidon. Thanks, Russia, for that. <laughs> Search and rescue is another thing. I don't know about the rescue part, but definitely the search part in terms of underwater drones, being able to go and look for recovering people. You know, mm -hmm. right now a lot of that's done with scuba divers and also with, I think, um, sonar type stuff. But, you know, it's something that we unfortunately struggle with up here in Alaska. We got a lot of lakes and we got a lot of people going out on them and occasionally people disappear. And 
So underwater drones can be a way to do searching for for that sort of element. And I saw an interesting underwater drone system that was being developed in its uh, swarm system. Mm, so it's wow. a number of small drones. Mm -hmm. and I'm making a shape like the size of a hand. That's what they looked like. But they all worked in concert mm. to stay in a, essentially a school mm -hmm. together to, yeah. to detect what was happening around them. Cool. Yeah. Drone swarms have such incredible potential for all sorts of variety of things. It's just, it's amazing. One, one thing I forgot to mention that exists right now that seems really cool to me are drones that basically have a, have a VR element to it. So you can drive them by looking around. Those are more expensive. I can't remember the name of which ones offer that at right now, but that's a pretty wild thing too. And, and, uh, and it's a cool way to interact with, with the drone right now. I'm just, of course, looking off my little phone, but those exist right now. So yeah. And inspection, all sorts of other things that we've been using people for and highly trained people too, doing mm -hmm. a fairly dangerous thing. So um, yeah, I guess if, if I was in the scuba inspection business, I might be a little bit nervous, but I think it's going to be quite a while before underwater robots are capable of doing much. They're still going to need humans to do that sort of detail work underwater. Anything else going on with underwater drones today that catches your attention? Yeah, nothing specific. I think that, I had come across an article where they were talking about how drones were helping to detect floating mats of trash in the ocean, but I think that was the extent of it. Yeah, I thought about that too, monitoring plastic trouble and stuff, but it seems the solution to reducing plastic in the ocean is to attack it where it comes from, which are the rivers coming out of highly populated areas. So I don't really see drones being terribly effective in doing cleanup of, no, no. of that. But yeah, they could keep an eye on it, sure. Yeah, well, as for the future of underwater drones, one of the things that comes to mind for me is being an alternative to scuba diving. And I, I have a lot of hope that in the future we will be able to do things i don't know i guess virtually more you right. know i have this fantasy about vr drones on the moon that you can drive around yeah why not do <laughs> nice tone Kristen. <laughs> someday i will be pro proven right but imagine if you know here it's january in fairbanks you are like oh i just need a break from this what if you could drive a drone around the un, an underwater drone around the great barrier reef for a while in vr from, and just look around from, from your, your living couch room in alaska yep. mm -hmm. interesting and you're looking all around and you're driving it and you're exploring and maybe it's got sensors on it like uavs have today that prevent you from bonking into the coral and hurting anything or mm -hmm. maybe it's you know just they're giving you a certain area that, that you're allotted to go around in, but I think that'd be pretty darn fun and might give me a pretty good experience and little mental break. And you don't need to fly there. You also don't need a scuba license. So 
I mean, there's a lot of cool underwater things going on that people don't really get to experience if they don't go through the scuba process. So an underwater drone could give people access to that. Yeah. What else you got? <laughs> it's fun to talk with you sleepy because uh, I could just talk about whatever I want. <laughs> well, I mean, I have, I have, um, cool. Well, give me your future thing. An then. idea that I thought was really intriguing. And it is the idea that underwater drones could help maintain, um, underwater farming. Underwater farming. Mm -hmm. What is that? Well, like shrimp. So you have like fish farming, of uh -huh, course, but right. you can also cultivate uh, seaweeds. Okay. And so there, you the ocean is also a place where you could have agricultural crops. Oh, it sounds so like Disney World of the Future to me. Doesn't that sound cool? Yeah, like in um, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, when you're like walking around and they're what iron with your diving bell above diving you, diving bell things <laughs> and heart, you know. Tending to their underwater farm. <laughs> Did you ever have an Super aquarium cool. when you were little that had a little... No, I always wanted one. With a with diver in it. <laughs> diver, oh, That yeah. would have been so cool. No. <laughs> yeah, I so I think that's a, that would be an interesting application for drones in the future. It's just, you know, helping helping humans make enough food that is sustainable, sustainably mm. sourced. Mm -hmm. So that. Um, and I think that if you are able to fly something through the water essentially mm -hmm. or propel it mm -hmm. eventually you're going to be able to miniaturize that technology and so what other things are liquids like you could you could fly something through the body ew i was thinking through my plumbing <laughs> well well because well. we both have had serious plumbing issues yours was a lot longer than mine but we both had like major plumbing issues sure would be nice to be able to drive a little drone down there yeah you can see <laughs> like exactly around. where things are blocked up exactly in a house let's be specific about what we're talking about right yes <laughs> okay but yeah sure miniaturized have a little drone running around in your in your body but yeah so maybe it'd be the end of colonoscopies as we know it that is not what i had in mind <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking of something more intravenous but yeah uh-huh yeah yeah taking care of uh Corroded um, arteries and going or to the body. Or delivering medication. Delivering medication to exactly the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Miniaturization of drones. Yeah, you definitely want a propellerless drone for that. <laughs> Goodness. But that's a cool idea. What is that uh, movie about that? It's like, isn't there like an 80s movie Space called? Balls? Inner Space. I think oh, that's Inner what it's Space. called. I don't think I've ever seen it, but it's on my list. Spaceballs. Sorry. <laughs> Spaceballs never goes inside a person. <laughs> you can, you're title. very confused about what that movie very... is about. <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, one, one thing that I do wonder about, to a degree, maybe terrorism. Absolutely. Um, I don't know what the military has right now. I mean, right now, like I said, like the consumer drones, they're not going to carry much and they're on a tether. But they're, I mean, they're, you can have some really long tethers. So you could, you could run something quite a ways. And yeah, I don't know. 
mess with a cruise ship or a, a military vessel of some kind potentially right. um yeah so but i don't i don't know how how much that's on anybody's radar right now which doesn't mean it isn't a threat but wasn't there a james bond movie which was essentially like a, a bomb wasn't there like one that like dr- ground its way into a a ship and then drove all around in the ship i seem to recall that i don't know what that one was i was thinking of the the underwater autonomous torpedo essentially that was driving its way toward a city center underwater with its payload i don't know about that there was the lotus esprit that could turn into a submarine that was pretty cool oh wow you know, the DeLorean was designed by Lotus, so that's why it looks a lot like Lotus vehicles, like the Lotus Esprit. And why you know about it. Yeah. And why <laughs> DeLorean owners desperately try to, <laughs> to link their car to an extremely expensive... <laughs> in the end, your DeLorean Plus. is going to be extremely expensive. In the end, it will, to me, mostly, but no. Someday. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, yeah. So, other than that... Um, I'm I'm excited about the advent of underwater drones. I think one of the things, also things that we might see in the future is finding more stuff. I mean, it's been interesting that like what Google, if you've seen any of the Google Maps things where people like found oh, yeah. a lost person because they, they could see a car in the water from Google Maps and stuff. I think there's a lot of secrets in the ponds and lakes around us that could come out with people using underwater drones more. Yeah, I agree. That's my goal. But every time I go out, I only explore about an eight-foot square area, and I just see a lot of seaweed. What's the battery life on your drone? I want to say it's about 20 minutes, depending on the temperature of the water. Okay. And how fast you're going and whatnot. But, yeah, the range is is a, a little bit lame. The other thing is that, you know, the cable pulls, they all, the cables pull on the drones, which can be kind of awkward because you'll be driving it. And when, if you stop, it'll like slowly pull itself back. And also the cable can get tangled up and kind of mess, messed up. So the ones that have really long cables, they do come with like a, um, a cable wrap thing, whatever a spool. Is, a spool. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not tired. I still just can't make words. <laughs> so that helps keep it a little bit more um, straightened out, but that is kind of an issue. So my my system generally is like drive it way out as far as possible to get all the slack out of it and then kind of work my way back and work with the cable. If the cable wants to pull me one direction, then just go that direction. Um, but yeah, something that was... I guess one thing that we might see in the future is one that is not cable connected. Right. I don't know about the technology behind that, how hard it is to move a signal through water like that. I, so some of the videos that I tagged to put up in the show notes seemed like they had wireless ways to control Hmm. the drones. So, okay. Yeah. That would be cool. And to be free from propellers, so you're not getting stuck. Yeah. That would be pretty exactly. awesome. There's one they called a snake, 
I think. It, it looked like a, it was like a tube Ooh. that can kind of wiggle Ooh. and slither its way underwater, which is kind of creepy. Uh-huh. But, I mean, of course, you can slide down a tube. This is like the, your plumbing thing. Uh-huh. You had a camera at the very end of it. <laughs> You're giving me such creepy images. <laughs> what I want to do with my drone at some point, not what I want to, what I will do with my drone is attach a shark fin to it uh. and scare the crap i wanted to take one to tanner lakes <laughs> take it to tanner lakes with a shark fin while people are swimming and see if i could create panic <laughs> because it's fresh water it's but funny. still the image will be so traumatizing to people that i think their brain will override their sub or their their terror reflex their fear reflex will override their conscious reflex absolutely and there'll be a moment of like get the kids out of the water <laughs> before they realize like there can't be a shark in this, in this water. <laughs> what would you do if you were swimming and you saw a shark fin in a in a freshwater lake? I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't care because one, that's kind of a no brainer. But you just duck underwater and take a look at what's coming at you. I would be scared for a moment. Would you? My and I, I love sharks. I love sharks so much. But there you would love def- sharks, but you don't love being in the water with sharks. I love being in the water with sharks. What? But. To be in a murky lake with a shark, that's kind of freaky. So, I have been in the water with a shark. It was a pretty far ways away, but I was excited to see it. Yeah, that, that's not a thing I want. Really? No. <laughs> I mean, maybe a small shark, but I, even then. You have to work at it to get a shark to bite you. Still, it's not. I mean, something. depends on the circumstances. On land, I don't want to hang out with snakes. It's just not a thing I want to do. You're lumping sharks with snakes? Yeah. Things with teeth that could potentially bite me. Yes. <laughs> that is a How's set your of... dog doing? <laughs> anyway. She would never do that. <laughs> uh, anything else about the future of underwater drones? No, I mean, I've, I definitely believe that we're going to have them for monitoring. Mm-hmm the health of oceans and seas and things like that. And that will continue to be an area of research that continues forward. But yeah, it's really the miniaturization, the miniaturization, (laughs) miniaturization of the technology. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was hard to say. Yeah. That I find interesting. And then the, you know, underwater farming, Hmm. which I think is interesting too. I'm not really aware of the underwater farming element. Hmm. I'd be interested to see what that has to do. I could be an underwater farmer. That sounds like fun. So one of the things I hate about farming is the sun, the dry and the heat. So if I was underwater. I don't know. I think it would be challenging. I always wonder. I don't know too terribly much about the industry, but fish farming, it just seems like there are a lot of predators after the thing you're farming mm. that you, you need to keep away. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's true for any sort of farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you like to move on to things that blew you away? I can, yeah. Okay. Do you have anything that blew you away? Of course. You've you've been cynical the past few episodes. Uh, cynical. I was just struggling with things that really blew me away, but you know, it's I I always have things that are interesting, but I do feel like blowing me away was maybe a little bit of an oversell. But I have a pretty good one for this week. What? Mosquitoes. Oh, that's not interesting. What? Nope. Okay, so I don't know who... 
I, I guess I would say what maybe scientists are the one credited with this. They have estimated, and I know I'm playing fast and loose with facts, but I can send you the video that where I learned this from, or people can just research it on their own. <laughs> they have, they believe that mosquitoes have killed approximately half of the people that have ever lived. What? Through malaria and other diseases. Wow. Isn't that insane? That is insane. And that, so that's blow you away, number one. Because I have this mission against, because I hate mosquitoes so much because apparently your DNA can affect whether mosquitoes are more or less attracted to you if you have a certain sequences, you know, in your DNA. Um, but on, so anyway, I, I, I feel like mosquitoes is like this one issue that's affecting the vast majority of Americans that no politician seems to ever address. And if there was any president for any party with some exceptions who would make their main platform eliminating mosquitoes in the United States, I would vote for them. None of them are talking about this thing that matters to me more than almost anything else. I guess. And it's a constant nightmare for me and keeps me inside in the summer. And it's just, Oh, it's the worst. And nobody seems to be really wanting to tackle the fact that we need to get rid of mosquitoes. All they do is like pollinate a little bit. Nothing really eats them because they're too small. Dragonflies. Not. They, they Dragonflies got lots of options. Trust me, I've done the research on this. Dragonflies will be fine. Yes, I knew you were going to say dragonflies. I'm excited to see dragonflies are back. Maybe that will help for the season. Uh, they do a little pollinating. Sorry, tough plants. You know, you're going to have to live without mosquitoes. But also, on top of that, as if the fact that these things, you know, you're scared of sharks and snakes, but it's mosquitoes that have killed half of the people who've ever lived. When you get malaria, that parasite makes you more attractive to mosquitoes. Oh. So it's like a double whammy. It like changes your biochemistry. So that mosquitoes are like, oh, yum. But now we, now we apparently we got this person. We want them even more. It's definitely not a first world problem either. Like there, are, there are a number of countries that. Yeah. And so, you know, plague. I mean, you, have you heard about how they're like genetically engineering mosquitoes to make them basically, I was going to say impotent, um, infertile. Yes. So that, uh, and that apparently can have a big, but I want to know, can I just do that myself? Could I like ship some of my mosquitoes? I think there's a place in South America that was doing this, g- genetically creating these mosquitoes. And, and I, sending them in to people on Amazon And then Amazon they send Prime. them back. Yeah, on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want to do that. I hate mosquitoes. They're terrible. And they have killed so many people and are continuing to kill people. And we need to freaking get rid of these horrible things. That's my blew me away of the week. Kristen, what's yours? <laughs> the thing that blew you away and the thing that you're gripey about. Yep. Yeah. Just adding more evidence to what I already believe. A little bit of confirmation the bias. Thing, the thing that blew me away isn't really blowing me away, except that I'm I'm amazed at Google's 
messaging products at the moment and mm. how they're in just a, a very confusing state of flux right now where they're rolling out new their new workspace to oh. everybody huh. but they have multiple levels of messaging apps that all do different things for different purposes but and there's there's just very little little cohesion and messaging that seems cohesive to help people understand how and when and why to use these things <laughs> uh-huh so i'm looking forward to a time when there can be a more unified and cohesive message that makes sense like why are there so many messaging apps right now mm. and why aren't why don't they all work together mm-hmm. um it's just it's terrible it's beyond my comprehension and i came across an article that expressed all of this in hilarious detail that i will share in the show notes because it's worth reading okay because it's very entertainingly written and it does outline exactly why the naming conventions leave a big question mark in one's mind Mm -hmm. and why some of the features or lack thereof are extremely perplexing Hmm. so all right yeah yeah, I feel like some of the major, I don't know, like I've been watching a lot of Hulu lately and Apple's ads just seem odd to me now. Like I feel like you can feel the lack of Steve Jobs around there. It's like palpable in terms of just how, I mean, they're just telling you like your new computer will be an iPad. Yeah, some people don't want that. I don't want that. Well, And don't they also sell laptops? Why are they undermining their own product it's weird. and the ad doesn't look like an apple ad yeah i don't know that is weird what, what kind of ad does it look like it just looks like a microsoft ad or a hp ad or something like no, that no no yeah when you think back to the days of the mac and pc commercials and the ipod commercials yeah. you know anyway we're innovative, edgy, and forward-thinking. Well, yeah, and I, of course, go back to the um, the original, not the original, but the uh, what what was the name of that ad with the sledgehammer and the woman and the the communist you, one? Yeah, I, I don't can't remember, remember the what the name for it. the ad was, but yeah, for a company that <laughs> you know kicked off Mac with uh, with that ad, now just doing anyway. Interesting. I just love to see giant behemoths rise and fall i'm enjoying watching amazon's demise <laughs> although today is prime day so i, I haven't yet looked <laughs> but uh is, is prime day always the 21st now is it, i don't know like are we sending the our slow descent into winter off on solstice by compulsively consuming now is that i don't know what we do i am definitely leaning toward an anti-consumist consumerist vibe we'll see how long i can sustain it but yeah i mean having tried to sell a product on amazon really damaged my opinion of amazon (laughs) they have been just one nightmare after another inventing these reasons why i can't sell anymore even though i've had products listed they'll just be like oh we pulled it down because you need to do this and then so you have to apply and then wait three days or whatever for them to tell you you can sell again that's terrible. It just really undermines any confidence in, in your ability to have a product that will be stably listed so I can start marketing it. You yeah. Know? So going through that nightmare now. 
But anyway, well, I believe next week is your choice. But at the same time, we said we were going to do a product review. I just have to edit it, the HoloLens. Yeah. Do I have anything? Oh, are you around next week? Yeah, I'm going to be around next week. I'll be back by next Monday. Oh, what do you want to do? So let's do the HoloLens because we have an unboxing and we can talk about it a little bit too since we both have a little bit of on the ground experience now. Well, I didn't get very far in because it just said it was loading for 100 years. Oh. Well, do you want to keep it again this week? Oh. Yeah, you're going away anyway, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I want you to help me get logged into it or something or see if it's working. Okay. If you get a HoloLens 2, which is $3,500, so you probably, I hope, already know what you're doing. But if more than one person's going to use it, set it up as a university or institution because... We didn't really know what that meant when we logged, when we set it up. I just assumed we'd be able to log out. I mean, can I can't I... figure out how to log this thing out. Okay. Well, let me jump in there and I'll try to log us out. So, yeah. So, I would rec, because otherwise, there's like no log out button that I can find. So, it's just like locked into one person for eternity unless you stick a paper clip and some hole in it. Yeah, somewhere. do a hard reset. We might have to. My daughter had a lot of fun just trying to log in, though. Oh. Pushing the buttons in the air. <laughs> it's fun at first. It's, it's it more fun, fun when you first. can actually log in. Kristen, thanks for coming here on this sleepy Monday and <laughs> staying awake as I, my dulcet tones, talked about underwater drones, something you clearly don't give that big of a hoot about. But this <laughs> summer, we will go. I wasn't meant to be punny. Okay. We will go to Tanal Lakes and look for bodies. Oh, that's that would be fun. <laughs> or cell phones. We're going to go around and try and... I want to find the spots where people may have dropped expensive things like sunglasses. So It'll be fun. Let's do it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the In Stuff podcast. If you'd like to join the discussion or see links to the things we referenced in today's episode, feel free to pop on over to instuffpodcast.com. That's the letter N, stuffpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the InStuff podcast, check out my other podcast, Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. In each episode, we share amazing true stories from Alaska told by the Alaskans who experienced them. The New York Times recently called Dark Winter Nights the best winter podcast for storytelling lovers. Check out Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, wherever you get your podcasts, or at darkwinternights.com. The In Stuff podcast is brought to you by Scratch Band, the brand new way to help you stop touching your face. Why is everyone telling you to wash your hands these days? Because they're covered with germs. Every time you touch your face, you're helping to put those germs into your body and make yourself sick. Until now... Scratchband's patent-pending design allows you to scratch your face with your wrist instead of your fingers, shielding you from those gross hands. Made of medical-grade silicon, you can sanitize it in the dishwasher, washing machine, or even a microwave. So stop touching your face and making yourself sick, and join the evolution. Scratchband. More information at scratchband.life.